Hello and welcome to the Hinterviews podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Center English Theatre and coming to you from the Panorama Room of the National Arts Center in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the fourth interview of the NAC English Theatre's 2010-11 season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind the productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, Artistic Director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Michael Shimada, Director of the Era Magical Thinking and Artistic Director of the Belfry Theatre in Victoria, about the creation of this production that ran at the NAC Theatre from January 11th to the 29th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre production of the Year of Magical Thinking, please visit www.nac-cna.ca, click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Michael Shimada. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy New Year to you all, and uh, welcome to this afternoon's interview uh, for the Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Um, before I invite you to join me in welcoming our guest today, Michael Shimata, who's the director of the production, I want to tell you a little bit about Michael. Uh, for the NAC, Michael directed the production of Pélagie that was presented here five or six years ago. He's the artistic director of the Belfry Theatre in Victoria, British Columbia, where he first directed this production of the Year of Magical Thinking. Uh, for the Belfry, he's directed William Finn's the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, Tom Stoppard's The Real Thing, Anne-Marie MacDonald's musical Anything That Moves. Uh, he has directed everything from Shakespeare to new plays to musicals, literally from The Winter's Tale to Hello, Dolly. <laughs> you have it, 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 all true. kinds of stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about that. <coughs> uh, most recently, Michael directed a production of um, Glengarry Glen Ross, David Mamet, starring Eric McCormick at the Arts Club Theatre in Vancouver. I Am My Own Wife, Guys and Dolls, The Music Man for Vancouver Playhouse, Much Ado, Winter's Tale for Bart on the Beach in Vancouver, and Offensive Shadows at Summerworks, which was the Audience Choice Award. He's directed for the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, Canadian Stage, the Citadel in Edmonton, Manitoba Theatre Centre, and his work has been seen in every province in Canada. His productions have won awards for outstanding productions in Toronto, Vancouver, and Ottawa. And uh, this year again, he revived his uh, semi-annual production of A Christmas Carol for the Soul Pepper Theatre in Toronto. Michael's the former artistic director of Theatre New Brunswick and the Grand Theatre in London. Please join me in welcoming Michael Shimada. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to start with that one, if that's okay. Yeah. I look at the plays you've directed, and one of these things is not like the other. Uh, <laughs> is, was that intentional? Was that 
What do you, how do you respond when you hear that? I, I wouldn't say it was intentional. I, um, uh, I love Shakespeare, so doing Shakespeare made sense. And I love musicals, and doing musicals makes sense. And actually, the two are very similar. Uh -huh. uh, when you think about a song and you think about a soliloquy, they're quite, right. they're actually quite, uh, quite alike. Uh, and then, well, you've done yeah. a wide variety of, of work. It's, uh, you know, the work that is offered, you consider, if you love the play, then you do it, not because it's like something that you've done before, but in a way, hopefully, because it's not like something you've done before. Yeah. And what is like uh, for you... Um, how does one inform the other? Like, it's interesting you say, like, a, a soliloquy and a song are, are alike. Um, is there a, a connection you make between when you're doing a classical play versus a new play versus a... I think uh, certainly one informs the other. What you learn about doing a play by doing a Shakespeare play, uh, you discover that there are things you can apply to a new script as well. I think, uh, yeah. and likewise, uh, you know, it was by doing a musical that I discovered th that directing a song is the same as directing right. someone speaking to the audience in Shakespeare. It's the same. You look for a journey, you look for a beginning and a place where that person ends that hopefully is different than when they started the song, all those. I mean, right. I think, I think uh, you discover the, the, the similarities as opposed to... Uh-huh. Uh, knowing that they're there ahead of time, I guess. And uh, The Year of Magical Thinking is a one-person show. Uh, have you directed one-person shows before? I've, and yes, yes, go ahead. No, go ahead. And uh, this, part B to the question is, uh, what are their unique challenges? I mean, when you're doing a play with 20 people in it, it's so, like a musicals and Shakespeare, yeah. what they share is yeah. they're big. Yeah. Here's a play with one performer. So I'm curious about what you have done with that before and what are the challenges in that? Uh, I've done two before this. I did a production of Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe with Tanya okay, out at Theatre right, New Brunswick and I did a piece called I Am My Own Wife which uh, mm -hmm. there was a production here as well. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember that everybody? Yeah. I did that in Vancouver with Tom Rooney mm -hmm. uh, and you've certainly done yes, I have. your share yes, as well. Yes. yes. Uh, I guess the difference is that it's... Um, it's a very different relationship with the actor. The director-actor relationship, I think, is, is, is more about... Uh, it's, very, it's, it's much more intimate. It's, um, it's about finding the roadmap together. It's much more of a... Uh, by necessity, it's much more of a collaboration. If you've chosen the right actor, then what that actor brings is as important as what the director's bringing, which is always the case, but, but there's more of, a, of an opportunity for that to really be put on the table and for the two of you, the director and the actor, to let the piece evolve. Uh, it's, also, it's also a very different dynamic in the rehearsal hall because you can't rehearse from 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock the way you would with a cast of 20. Uh, that person just doesn't have the, the stamina. I mean, they'd be... too exhausted. <laughs> so the day has a very different shape to it. You know, the, 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 
the relationship, the, the kind of anecdotes, the what did you do last night, all of that is actually part of the rehearsal process. It actually, yeah, you kind of, true. you know, that's very true. you kind of work your way sideways to rehearsing the play. You kind of go like a crab and eventually start into the scene and then start to delve and, and then you come back up for air again and then you kind of delve in again. But it's a, it's a very, I think it's, in a way, it's more exhausting, I think, than directing a play with 20 people because there's 20 other energies in the room as opposed to just you and the stage manager and the actor. Uh, and also, you're the, the actor's scene partner until the audience arrives. When you see Shauna today, right, right. Shauna will be having a conversation with all of you, and you will, um, as all the audiences that she has played to so far, you will give back to her, and she will feed on your energy. Until you arrive, I'm the energy that she feeds on during rehearsal. I remember the very first time Search for Science was the first show that I, the first one person show I did, and uh, we were about to run a little section, the first time we were going to run anything, and I kind of got my, got my pad out and sat there, and, and then there was Tanya staring me in the face, and I thought, no, I can't be doing this. I, I actually... <laughs> you got to figure another way. I've actually got to play. Yeah. I've got to play with her. I have to be here for her, so... Because you can't be invisible behind no. the production table. No. The other, the other night before one of our previews, I was in the hallways backstage, and the stage manager came out of Shauna's dressing room, so I just got a glimpse in it as the door opened and closed, and there she was with her curlers doing her makeup and everything, and there was Michael sitting right next to her, the door closed. And, and I, I remember thinking, too, like I went, oh, I remember that when I directed Allegra Fulton and Frida Kay. She, there was that. Yeah. You get a very special relationship with the actor. You do. But you don't in a big show, do you? No, no, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's lonely for them as well. So when we were at the Belfry doing the show, because I'm in residence there, I, I would... Go every. I would spend yeah. every half hour with Sean in the dressing room just just to keep her company. Luckily she'll miss here, you, Michael, when well, she missed me, but she's got your your wonderful company of yeah. uh, Saint Carmen. So there are people around, which is is actually really important. Yeah, like the, you can imagine the cast party for your magical <laughs> kind of lonely for Shauna there. <laughs> <laughs> now you've worked with Shauna before. We've done. We were trying to remember. I think this is our fourth show. Fourth show. Yeah. I, I worked with her first when I was a stage manager. So how did it come to be? Did, was, uh, did Shauna bring this project to you? Did you bring this project to Sh- How did this production I, come into I that? brought the project to Shauna. I sent her the book and the script and asked her if she would consider doing it a year and a half from when I was asking her because she's a very busy actress, so... You need to kind of plan you, you, in advance. You will see Shauna this afternoon, and you, you know we're so thrilled to have her here. She hasn't been here in over 15 years, and she's from the Stratford Festival. She's worked there extensively. Where this summer she's playing Richard the Third, right on. <laughs> First time a woman playing a major Shakespearean role. I, I think it's so great. I do too. When you read the book and went, I want to direct this play. Did you know it was Shauna? Uh, I, I did, actually. You did? And why? Can you uh, speak to why? What about Shauna's talents? Uh, well, with? there's an intelligence that Shauna brings yeah. to everything that she does. Uh, not that other actresses don't, but, yeah, but intelligence sure. is one of the qualities that, that Shauna projects very 
clearly. There's a, um, uh, there are qualities about Joan Didion and Joan Didion's writing that just seem uh, to fit with Shauna. There's a, there's a, a bit of an edge to Shauna at times. Uh, which is 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 very valuable with this character. There's a there's a warmth and a, and a um, a quality of not suffering fools, uh, which is it, which is very much Joan Didion and 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 the writing as you'll as you'll see. Uh, but there is a huge heart and a huge warmth. It, it there are there are other actresses with whom I've worked uh, a number of times, but uh, none of them actually popped into my head. It was Shauna immediately. And and it's interesting because there's kind of Shakespearean proportions to the character in terms of that intellect. Yes, yes. Doesn't suffer fools, and at the heart of it, mm-hmm. there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you read the how many? Have many of you read the book? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, one of the things that happened for me when I read the book, and I'm curious about how you felt. How does you, how do you take on a story that's so devastating and make it theatrical, make it have variety, make it have... Did that daunt you at all, or did... What? what? Um, how did you wrap your brain around that? You know what I'm asking? I sorry? do, yeah. I do. I, I, I guess I knew... Well, clearly, when you see the design today, you'll, you'll know that I felt there was a need for a little bit of variety at times, just to, I guess, to help the audience, to make it, um, you know, it could, it, 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 it could be a very, well, it, it already is. It's a, it's a daunting prospect for an audience. It's an hour and a half of a conversation. Uh, so about death. About death, yeah. <laughs> uh, among other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did. I, I wanted to make sure that there was enough variety to to help the audience and to make it a slightly, um, slightly easier. Uh, not easier is not the word, but uh, to, to, as Peter said, to give the to give the event a little more variety, visually and and for you to feel that there was some action. Which uh, why why do you think it's important that Joan Didion wrote that book? Or why do you think it's important that this subject is addressed in the theater? Because obviously it spoke to you. Yes. You went, yeah. I mean, you got the Canadian rights for this piece. And uh, there are easier plays to do. There are easier so, plays to do. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you know? it, it's the, um, you know, it's the topic we don't talk about. It's, right. it's, it's the, the, the event we all know is, is, is going to affect us and eventually come to us uh and yet it is it is probably the last real taboo we don't we, in society we don't actually address it and there's something about uh Joan Didion the way that she writes and the way that she thinks and the the I mean although she she had a somewhat uh Peculiar, not peculiar, but but she she took a very specific uh, route when this event happened to her. She still there's something about the writing that is so clear-headed, and there's a sense of I'm going to march directly into this topic, and I'm going to look at it, and and I'm 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 not going to step away from it. We're all going to just walk right into this and 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 see what's there, and actually confront it. 
and, and see how we come out the other end. And it's actually a very uplifting, um, uh, positive, uh, you know, life will go on. It may not be easy, but life will go on. We will go on. We have to get up. We will get up the next morning. And I, so I guess it's, the, it, it, it's her, her just clear-headed, here we go, I think, that really appealed to me. Uh-huh. Uh, is there, is there, uh, Joan Didion is an interesting person and writer. And uh, last night someone said to me, he goes, I wasn't sure at the beginning because I thought the character was kind of a snob. Because <laughs> Joan Didion comes from great privilege. Like, you know, the Prada bags and the yeah. renting the Cessna airplane and the uh, My Corvette. And was that... Um, it's un, you know, was that something to take into account in the story? Uh, you, said, you said to me the other night, you went, well, that's her world, her story. And I, I thought that was interesting. I wonder if you could just chat a bit about that. Because she's, she's uh, what, who is Joan Didion and, and the circle she lives in? Right. Well, she's a very successful uh, writer. She wrote, writes what has uh, been referred to as new journalism, which is uh, nonfiction, but with, uh, with her personality kind of woven through it and her, her view of, of the facts. Um, she and her husband wrote a number of screenplays, some of which were made, some of which, as she talks about this afternoon, were never made, but they, they wrote them. Uh, they lived uh, for many years in Malibu, and then moved to New York, lived on the Upper East Side. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they're best friends with, you know, the, the major people in, in the arts and literature and Hollywood. And, you know, that's, that's the world that they move in. Uh, I, I don't think we worried about it. I think what we found interesting about it is uh, the details in the show are so specific that in a way it's what makes it universal. Um, she'll go into uh, excruciating detail about, about, about things, about uh, how she felt or about what was kind of what was on the table, what was around, what, what she saw in that moment. And I think it's that uh, specificity, whether it's uh, talking about Prada bags or, or not, it's still the fact that it's so very, very specific that somehow allows it to be universal. That strange thing that happens in the theater. Well, yeah, because the same guy who said he thought she was a snob at the beginning said, and by the end of the play, I felt I could go up and hug her. And that's what, you know, death is a leveling thing. Yeah. It, uh... I mean, I will say we did, you know, Shauna was concerned many times through rehearsal that the audience wouldn't like her. Because there is a, there is, a, uh, this woman has... Um, she's not cuddly. She's not cuddly, no. And she, you know, she's, she, is, she is somewhat arrogant. She, she's smart and she knows she's smart. And if somebody gives her an answer that she's not content with, she will go out and do the research and find out what she needs to know. And then she will go into battle with the people that she's dealing with. So there were, there were times in rehearsal where Shauna was concerned that the audience wouldn't like her, and I, I, I encouraged her to, uh, to put that concern aside, to let the, the prickly nature of the woman come through, because in fact, she's kind of fun to spend time with. You know, it's sort of fun to meet somebody oh, yeah. who says, I walked right up to that person and I said, no, what the hell is going on here? You kind of like that. Yeah. Um, 
And and as Peter says, by you know, as the story goes on, well, it's Shauna who said, you know, you realize that all the Prada bags and all the Cessna planes and all the Upper East Side apartments can't protect her from what happens to her. It's uh, nothing can That's nothing right. can protect us from that. That's right. Uh, I wonder at this point if there are any questions some of you here might have about Joan Didion, about Michael, about the production, and uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to answer what questions you might have. Yeah. Uh, who wrote the screenplay or the play? Okay, who wrote the play from the book? Uh, Joan Didion herself. Uh, she adapted it. Now, she adapted it. Uh, it was originally directed by David Hare, who is a very, very celebrated and successful British playwright. So my hunch is that Mr. Hare, <laughs> you know, guided her quite, uh, quite definitely through it. But uh, have you read the book? Yes. Well, you'll, you'll, it, a lot of it is lifted, you know, word for word. And then, and she's also added and, and shaped it. And, and the, the story actually continues beyond where it got to in the book. There are Yes. New events. I mean, there were things that happened in the book, of course, that were so sad, and yet it didn't come across as a depressing book. Yeah. Yes. At the end, both those horrific things that happened, still you didn't, at least I wasn't terrifically depressed by the time I was finished the book. What's been observed Mm -hmm. is that while the events of the book are very sad, it's not a depressing book. It has that curious doubleness of telling a sad story, but the effect of it is, is not depressing. I would agree very yes. much. Yes. Someone else, yes. I'm just wondering when you have one, one performer in this and, and one director, um, is it a more collaborative relationship in terms of putting on the production and, and how is it more collaborative? Uh, sorry, the sorry, question just sorry. is, uh, given it's one director, one actor, is it a more collaborative process? And what is the nature of that collaboration? Um, yes, it's definitely, definitely more collaborative. Um, uh, we, the, the designer and I, you know, we came up with a design, but I, I, I don't know at what point, but at some point I, I think I sent Shauna some images so that she would know in advance. Uh, you know, there's a, obviously there's an ownership on her part and, and, uh, you know, it's necessary that she be comfortable. When you have 20 people, you say, this is the world we're living in, and... <laughs> <laughs> Tough. Come on in and join us, that. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, that she is comfortable up there is, is of, of paramount uh, importance. And, and, and as I said earlier, the, the, the time in the rehearsal hall is about uh, making Shauna comfortable, making her... Uh, comfortable enough to to enter into the material because it's a bit it's a bit daunting the material so you know you kind of stick your toe in and then you come out of the water and you chat some more and then you dip your toe in again and a little maybe a little deeper and then you all yeah. go for coffee and you know you you it, it's it's um it's very much kind of holding someone's hand and walking through the the journey together uh, it's not. It's not sitting in a chair and saying, "Okay, now you move there, and now you move there." It's. It's very much. Um, we would. You know, we would go through. A, the 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 play is divided into chapters, and we would go through a chapter, and talk about it, and and talk about where she went emotionally with it, and whether that was useful at this particular point. What were the what are the the 
the elements, the values in that particular chapter that we want to bring forward and where we're succeeding in that. And, and then we, you know, we go through that one again and then maybe move on to the next one and then talk about it and then start that whole process again. But it was, it, it, it's very much um, a leading, in a way, leading that actor to the edge so that they can fly eventually on their own. Would you? Is there a better way to put that? No, it's beautifully put. Uh, yeah, back there. Uh, did you have a, an understudy or a stand-in? Is <laughs> it's not me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line. <laughs> the question was, do we have an understudy or a stand-in? And... <laughs> I, 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 I just got ter- I just pictured it and I got terrified. <laughs> oh. Well, I think I know 95% of the text, but it would, that wouldn't be a pretty sight either. Uh, no, the answer is that in, in Victoria, we did not have an understudy. In Toronto, we did not have an understudy. I mean, really, though, it, I, I mean, outside of the Stratford Festival and the Shaw Festival, c'est ça. I mean, that's about it. I, I'm, I'm, maybe Charlottetown does. I, I, like, understudies yeah. are so the Mervish productions, the big commercial productions, absolutely. But you know, it's, we uh, can't afford it. It's, it's incredible. You think about that at some point after, later today. Shauna does that show eight times a week. She lives that age. I said to her the other night, I went, does it depress you having to live? She says, no. No, not at all. No, in fact, the only time I've seen Shauna depressed was when she... uh, There were a couple of early shows in Toronto where she didn't feel she was getting anything back from the audience, and that she found difficult. That that, that was depressing. But but I think you'll, you'll see today... Uh, the give and take is is quite. Uh, I've never actually seen anything like it. The give and take that happens mm. in this show, the the mm. how the audience have all risen to the occasion, and I think the audiences that we've had have been as remarkable as Shauna. That wow. that the audiences have met Shauna at her level, and uh, she. Well, you'll you'll see. You can tell that she's she feeds off of what all of you give back to her. Mm. Yes? Uh, would you mind speaking a little bit about the, the design choices? It was so... Um, have, you, have you seen, you've seen it, it already? Yes, okay. Night. Okay. Or, or is that not? Should no, I talk about it's, it? It's just, this is the part where if you don't, just go la 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just, just be aware of that, Michael, <laughs> in the answer. It's a fair question. The question is about the design and how to design a one-person show in this play particular. Yeah. What were those choices and how yeah, it was informed? It was about my, when you talked about um, Joan and that, you know, she's a, that self-control and sort of a, a clinical sometimes approach and, and the set, all, likewise, wasn't too warm and fuzzy. And I was just, um, just I, I loved it. I'm just curious if, if you can t- tell a bit about the process there. Uh, John Ferguson designed this. Yes. Set, yes. Yes. And John and you have collaborated on how many productions? I can't you? imagine. Mm-hmm. Many, would, many, yeah, many, 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 yeah, many, 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 many. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's kind of my right arm as far as we're, we're kind of... Yeah. I, we never know uh, once the design is done who who kind of suggested what or where it all, where it all came from. This was a very difficult uh, 
project to design. Uh, because it needed to be, it didn't want to be, I, we didn't want it to be in her living room or somewhere specific. And in fact, at one point she says, you see me on this stage. So it, it wanted to, in a way, be uh, a, a somewhat neutral world. Uh, we felt it should have a certain uh, coolness to it, a certain hard-edged quality to it. Uh, and at the same time, I was interested in... Um, another world, and that's all I'll say because I don't want to. I don't want to no, spoil. But yeah. Yep, I can. Yes. Right. Uh, the question was, <clears throat> in the book, the reference to chapters of the book, does the play similarly come across as a series of monologues? Um, I would say, I don't know why she called them chapters. It's, it, it seems sort of odd to me that she didn't, I mean, I guess they aren't really scenes. They're, 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 I mean, I, I suppose it makes sense. They are divisions. Um, and we've punctuated them with, um, with very spare little pieces of music just to to divide them. Uh, I don't think they come across as a series of monologues. I would say, uh, if we've been successful, the event should come across as as someone addressing you and 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 hopefully having a bit of a having a conversation with with you as opposed to a lecture or um, yeah, it's it's very much. I mean, Shauna looks into people's eyes while she's talking. And the show is different every performance because it's a different audience that she's talking to every performance. Hmm. Yes? I haven't read the book, but I'm curious. Is this the story of John Vivian? Okay. This, this, this uh, woman has not read the book, and is it the story of Joan Daniel? Yes, it is very much her. It's, it's, it's her story uh, at a certain point um, this afternoon, she will say, I started to make notes about what was happening and what I was thinking, and those notes eventually became a book. Um, yes, it's very much uh, uh, the events that, that ensued after her, her husband dies very, very suddenly. And, and it's about how she copes with that, the, 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 the mechanisms that she puts into place to help her uh, survive that and negotiate that that difficult world of grief. It, it was published as a memoir, so it is her life. And what's you know what's amazing, I think, is when the book was published, her daughter, you'll learn, was uh, in a coma and uh, suffering septic shock, and um, her daughter died after the book was published. And when Joan Didion adapted the book to a play, she includes the death of her daughter, Quintana. And, you know, if that happened to me, I would hide under a rock. Or I would, my instinct would be to flee. To have the courage to write about it. Not in a sentimental way, but to offer that experience as one we face. is yes. Very yeah. brave, I think. And... A great thing Joan Didion has done. 
And, you she, certainly, I mean? and she certainly positions it that way. I mean, right oh. off the top, she says, I'm here to tell you what you need to know. Because at some point, in some way, shape, or form, we're all going to encounter something of this nature. Yeah. Yes. Um, did we hear some time for a, a one-man show longer or shorter than a play with many characters? Is the rehearsal time longer or shorter with one person as to a play with lots of actors? Longer. Longer. When I did I Am My Own Wife at the Vancouver Playhouse, we had a ridiculously short amount of time. Uh, we were told that some error had been made. But, but I think people actually think, well, it's a one-person show, so we can, it can be done in less amount of time. However, you're expecting that one person to, to carry an entire show. And as I said earlier, you can't, you can't rehearse 10, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. as, you know, as Peter's yeah. doing right now with St. Carmen. Uh, because you've only got one person, and that person can't work seven hours straight. So uh, it, it really does require longer, because it's, uh, you know, just, just digesting all of that text, no matter how prepared. And Shauna came to rehearsal, the first rehearsal, you know, practically knowing it. But still, it's a different thing to then digest it and start performing it. And it does, it, 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 you need to actually allow allow time for that to evolve properly. Linda, did you have a question? I did. I, the thing that I was curious about after seeing the play and you think about Joan and her life, it's kind of interesting to know how she feels today or how okay. she continues to uh, cope like that. And I'm just wondering, do you know if you have any intentions of doing a follow-on book or so the observation was an inquiry about what is Joan Didion doing today? How is she integrated or carried on, continued? And is there any intention to do uh, a, a, a further writing on this subject? Or? I, I actually don't know the answer to that. She does address, um, at the very end of the play, she addresses that question a little bit, but that's obviously a few years ago. I, I don't know where she is at the moment with all of that. No doubt, uh, <laughs> taking on some interesting subject with rigor and curiosity yes. and... Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I want to thank you, Michael, very much for bringing this uh, play to Canada, that I'm so happy it was you Thanks. who secured those rights. It was you that directed it. and. And so happy that to have this production here at the National Arts Centre. So Thank you. I hope you all enjoy the show very much this afternoon and join me in thanking uh, Michael Shimano. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this edition of the Interviews Podcast. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to interviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting www.nac-cna.ca/slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Search on Hinterviews. 
If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for the free e-bulletin by visiting www.nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can also find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick for Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. Thank you.